Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. You're darn right you're in the huddle. And you're darn straight this is Vinny Bonsignor. Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Great show today. Cannot wait to talk at 410 uh, to Mike Clay, who every year puts together, at least the last few years, we'll just say every year, puts together his free agent big board where it's one-stop shopping. Go check out Mike Clay NFL. He's already uh, posted the free agent board, but it lists every free agent, pending free agent. It might change a little while when the new league year enters, uh, you know, comes about and guys get re-signed or franchise tagged or whatever the case might be. But as of right now, this minute, he has listed every pending free agent. So if you want to, if you're a Raider Nation and you want to dream and envision uh, and be like me when I was a kid, and I would write out the lineup of my favorite team, whether it was baseball, basketball, football, and who I was going to draft, who I was going to pursue in free agency. Well, you don't have to look very far to figure out who the free agents are going to be for the most part. Just go to Mike Clay, NFL, uh, and he has it posted for you. And he's coming up at 410 to talk about all those visions that Raider Nation might have of what the Raiders might do in free agency and what he might do if he was in charge and where to look for all those bargains and all that hidden value that is available this year in free agency and knowing Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler and kind of how they did things in New England – That's what they're going to be looking for. Yeah, they'll be big game hunting, but there's also going to be a lot of what the Patriots did in the past or have done, and that is finding the bargains, finding the value where maybe some other people are overlooking at it or not seeing it. So can't wait to have Mike Clay uh, on board with us. Uh, And then we're going to have at 5 o'clock Bill Rabonowitz, who covers Ohio State football for the great Columbus Dispatch. And Bill is going to shed some light on some very interesting... Ohio State always has pro prospects coming out. Right, Devon Cotton? I mean, when you just look at the team, you could say, yeah, that's... Every year there's about nine or ten guys, whether they're coming out this year or the following year, right? It's Oh, like yeah, a- the basketball term, like blue chippers. Blue chippers. Yeah, they've got the five-star guys. They've got the guys that it's always someone good's going to come out there. Yes. Some some universities where it's just, I don't know how many they're going to have, but every year they've got at least one first round. And what's crazy about Ohio State lately, I mean, we know that it's linebacker U, a um, lot of great running backs over the years, linemen. It, it goes across the board. But lately, they've been putting out some really good wide receivers as well, and um, that's what we're going to focus on because they've got – a couple of really good ones on top of everything else that they have uh, coming out of uh, Ohio State. So Bill Rabinowitz will be with us at 5 o'clock. Can't wait to talk to him. By the way, listening to the tail end here in the studio of Q Myers, great show. I'm with Q as a fellow delivery man. I delivered pizza back in my day. I climbed some fences, whether it was to get in or sometimes get out. I had to sneak into some apartment complexes or sneak out. 
At delivering pizza? At deliver. Well, because, you know, you would go to a... That was the worst, and I'm sure Q would um, agree with this. I don't know, Vinny. Sometimes, like those, those, sometimes those, uh, those apartment complexes, you know, I think the big ones where there's like everything looks the same, all the buildings look the same. Sometimes it's hard to find the exact number of the building, let alone the, you know, the, the house number or the apartment number. So... And getting in can, can sometimes be a little bit of a hassle. So can getting out be a little bit of a hassle, um, especially if you're getting chased out, uh, which never happened. But anyway, those were fun times, but they were kind of crazy times, too. So being a delivery person is no easy task. And so for all of us that have done it, whether you're uh, a mailman, a pizza delivery man, now you got DoorDash and all of that. Uh, what was Q? Q was uh I don't want to get it FedEx. wrong. FedEx. I, I thought it was FedEx. I didn't want to uh, go the other route. Uh, but yeah, uh, and those guys, we see FedEx every single day over at the uh, Raider facility because the FedEx delivery center is literally right over the fence from where the Raiders practice over in Henderson. And on uh, Al Davis Way or Raiders Way uh, and the streets that are surrounding it, if you don't get there at the right time, you're just going to get stuck behind a whole bunch of uh, FedEx trucks that are leaving the facility to get over to where they got to deliver stuff. And it's just a army of trucks. So shout out to all the delivery people, all the truck drivers. If you're listening while you're driving your truck, we totally appreciate you because you keep the whole thing moving. Whether you're delivering it to a house or delivering it to a facility or picking something up, whatever it is, be safe out there. And thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Mike Clay, coming up at 4.10, every year does a great job of breaking down the pending free agents. And, you know, I looked at the calendar, Damon. I didn't realize we were this close to March. March starts next week. It's, yeah, it, it gets it's literally scary. starts next week. I don't want to be that guy, can you believe it's already March? But I'm going to say, can you believe it's already March? Because when I think of March, Damon Cotton, I don't think of the month. There's nothing particularly... Um, great about March necessarily, unless you have something. Well, there is this year. Why is that? The new Batman's coming out. I have. N- I could not <laughs> tell you about any new Batman that's coming out, or when. But okay, great. But in general, March is okay. It's a good month. Usually, spring training starts, so that's a cool thing. Not this year. It doesn't look like. But if you cover football, if you're a fan of football, if you like football, if you play football, if you run a football team. If you have any involvement in football, especially at the NFL level, March is when the new league year starts. And when the new league year starts, the calendar, that also kicks off free agency. Hallelujah. My goodness, it's only been two weeks since the last game, but I'm already jonesing for football news and football action. And what we can't get on the field anymore for the next few months We can get on the transaction wire. And as we follow, in my case, the Raiders, that's a team I cover. I work for the Las Vegas Review Journal, Raider Nation Radio. Obviously, I do the show every day, but I also cover the Raiders for the Las Vegas Review Journal on a daily basis. And so I'm, all right, what do we got? Who's coming? Who's going? And this year in particular, we've been talking about this the last couple of years, it's so fascinating. It's fascinating regardless, no matter what year it is. 
whatever, wherever you are on the track to development, are you a rebuilding team? Are you right there in the middle? Are you trying to go from uh, to good? Are you trying to go from good to great? Are you trying to hang on to great and keep great going? It's always interesting, no matter where you are on that train ride, and everybody is on that train ride to some extent in some form or fashion. The Jets, the Giants, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What are they going to do with quarterback? Come on, Cotton. If you're Aaron Rodgers. Stay in Green Bay. If you're Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady has vacated that beautiful Florida city near the Gulf of Mexico, Tampa Bay. I don't think anybody's ever called Tampa beautiful. I love Florida. Well, I love Florida in general. Not the northern part of Florida, which ironically enough is the southern part of the country. I don't like it up there necessarily. So we'll just leave that at that. But down in Tampa, Miami, obviously that's about three hours away. But anyway, if you're Aaron Rodgers and you just looked at teams and situations, why wouldn't Aaron Rodgers want to go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? And obviously, he'd have to make the power play to do that. It's happened before. He's under the impression or has been under the impression that trades, that the Packers are going to explore a trade for him. They made that promise apparently. Well, if they did, Tampa Bay seems like a pretty interesting place without Tom Brady. At least he'll be going someplace where there is no quarterback necessarily. Blaine Gabbert. Do you believe in Blaine Gabbert? I don't. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers were this close to beating the Rams and advancing again in the playoffs and maybe making another run at the Super Bowl. Meanwhile, Aaron Rodgers, last I saw him, he was trying to um, get the ice out of his hair after losing another home game in Green Bay in frigid cold weather. Why wouldn't you want to go to Florida on a good team in Tampa Bay with great weather? Maybe Mike Clay can shed some light on that situation. Mike Clay, who does a great job covering the NFL, and as we talked about uh, in the open, puts together a fantastic list. It's a cheat sheet, if you will, that gives us an idea of who's basically going to be free agents here in about two weeks or so. Uh, things can change, obviously. But Mike Clay, first of all, thank you so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. Truly appreciate it. How long does it take you to put that list together, Mike Clay? <laughs> Always a work in progress. Yes. Uh, uh, luckily, um, the guys at uh, OverTheCap.com do an awesome job uh, tracking this. I mean, no one really does it better in terms of just tracking and keeping it updated uh, with the – you know, with everyone who has a contract. So it allows me to track it year round and, uh, you know, kind of a, a, you know, a process once the season ends to kind of collect them and organize it. That's, that's the hard part guys is like organizing it. So it fits on one, one uh, piece of paper, basically. Yes. Yeah, printable that's the, that's the hard part, but I think I've kind of nailed it down the past few years. So, uh, it's an important exercise, I think for me, you know, at least to, to kind of see all the available guys. And I know other people get value out of it. So, I'm happy to share it and uh, kind of get us all up and running for free agency. And we love you for it, Mike Clay. Truly, I do. It's a uh, um, imperative piece of information for me uh, as I gear up for the team that I cover, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, on what they're going to do and who might be out there possible. We all know that 
you know, there's franchise tags, there's contract negotiations that are ongoing that will eliminate some of these guys from this list. But it gives you a really good perspective, a really good idea uh, of what might be available here in a couple of weeks for whatever team uh, that you root for or run. Um, okay, or cover in my case. Uh, Mike Clay, as I look at this list, is there a position? Usually, you know, one year this will be the strength. One year that position will be, you know, the the uh, where you can find some some value and some depth. Uh, as you just kind of gloss over it really quickly, what area would you say offers the most depth in terms of a position? Yeah, uh, that's a really good question. I mean, if you just kind of scan over this, uh, I think you're going to see some standout names at safety, but we've also seen the league kind of devalue that position in recent years. But, I mean, especially at the core four here with Marcus Williams, Jesse Bates, Tyron Matthew, Marcus May, I mean, they're your top four free agent safeties, and, and that's an outstanding list. And there are some second-tier guys who are pretty good as well. Andre Diggs, Devin McCourty, Jordan uh, Whitehead. There's some, some pretty good names there. Um, I'm tempted to go wide receiver as well because I think you look at the top ten or so, and there's some really good names there. The problem is a lot of them are coming off severe injuries or um, down seasons in the case of a guy like Allen Robinson. But, you know, Michael Gallup and Juju Smith-Schuster – Chris Godwin, OBJ, you know, these are Will Fuller missed most of last season, DJ Chark, some serious talent there, right? Uh, some seriously explosive players, but a lot of them, uh, again, coming off a, an injury. So, you know, other than that, you're looking at guys like Devontae Adams and uh, and Mike Williams, really, the only healthy ones right now. So um, that position, just from a, few, a pure talent standpoint, jumps out to me. But, um, again, a lot, of, a lot of question marks with a lot of these guys, not to mention that the last five years or so, unrestricted free agent wide receivers have not panned out. The hit rate is extremely, extremely low. So uh, I know, of course, the Raiders are in the market for wide receivers, and uh, I don't know if that's the way to go. I mean, you know, they might have to look to the draft to try to fill that void. You, you mentioned a name uh, that's really intriguing to me, and it might be a little bit uh, off the beaten path, um, but DJ Clark uh, from the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, in his defense, he's played in a situation where the quarterback um, position has been unstable, to say the least. Even when you talk about Trevor Lawrence last year, I think he's going to be a fabulous NFL player for years to come. But the time wasn't right for him, especially with what he had going on around him, the offensive line, et cetera, et cetera. But DJ Clark, to me, kind of fits with what the Raiders um, probably need. And if you could talk a little bit about DJ Clark and, and the kind of value he, he could bring to the Raiders if that's the direction that they turned? Yeah, I, I do think Chark's a fit. I mean, he's uh, he's big and he's really fast, right? He was a guy who, in his second year in Jacksonville, was very overlooked because he didn't play a lot in his first year. and uh, But he, he just fit the bill of a breakout player, second-round pick, you know, uh, in line for more work. And sure enough, he did. So this guy, you know, again, back in 2019, put up 73 catches, over, over 1,000 yards and eight touchdowns. Pretty impressive. Again, kind of flies into the radar because he was in Jacksonville, but only 25 years old. He'll be just. He'll be nearing his 26th birthday when Week One rolls around. Um, has two really good seasons under his belt already, and and this past year, uh, again, like you said, a lot of up and downs with the quarterback position, but uh, didn't get off to the best start. But again, he was hurt. He only appeared in four games. So like him a lot. Again, still still in his prime. Super talented, and he, you're exactly right. He's a perimeter player. He's a speed guy. Uh, and he can make plays downfield, right? It average sets the target near the top of the league uh, back in, in 2020. So um, definitely fits what they're looking for on the outside. And if you're looking to get a little bit of a discount, 
uh, a bit. Maybe not go after, you know, go aggressively after one of those top couple of guys or you're not able to spend the draft picks. Uh, of course, free agency comes first, so you can do both. But uh, I definitely think that's the kind of guy that fills what they're looking for. We're talking to Mike Clay, and you can follow him uh, at Mike Clay NFL, and I highly suggest you do, uh, especially throughout anyway, but uh, but in particular right now with the free agent cheat sheet that he's put together, and it's a fabulous piece of work, and it's a really important piece of work uh, as well, and a labor of love, um, uh, obviously, for Mike. When you see the context or the <laughs> just how much how many players he's listed, it's definitely a labor of love. Uh, staying on the offensive side of the ball, another area of need uh, for the Raiders is the offensive line. And it's interesting to me how that's all going to play out because some of it is predicated on what the final plan or the initial plan, at least, is uh, with Alex Leatherwood. They drafted him to be a right tackle due to circumstance. Partly, he wasn't getting it done at right tackle. There was also a hole at right guard after Denzel Good went out. So they moved him to right guard. And after three games, and he played there the rest of the year, uh, didn't do all that well, but there were some moments um, where, where you know he showed and flashed. So depending on what happens or where they uh, you know uh, ultimately roll with Alex Leatherwood, it'll determine what they're going to do at some other positions. But let's assume that he stays at guard. Are there some tackles out there that you could see the Raiders dabbling in uh, in order to then uh, fill the hole at right tackle? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, there are some standout guys that are, are going to be left tackles, you know, like a Teron Armstead. You would think New Orleans tries to retain him. Same with Orlando Graham with the Chiefs. And Dwayne Brown could be available, but again, more of a left tackle. And, and they obviously have that filled with, uh, you know, Colin Miller. So maybe Morgan Moses type, you know, on the right side. Yep. And Trent Brown has some versatility to play on both sides. Uh, Jermaine Ifedi, Riley Reef, Cornelius uh, Cornelius Lucas coming out of Washington this past year after spending a lot of time in Chicago. Um, these guys are all solid, you know, maybe not spectacular in, in every case, but, you know, a guy, you know, Trent Brown obviously spent time with the Raiders, so I, you know, probably shouldn't mention him, but, you know, some of these other guys make a lot, make a lot of sense for them. Uh, you know, even down a, a tier to Bobby Massey, you know, I think he's another solid guy. So there are some right tackles out there. You know, I think they can find one, um, if they choose to go that route. Um, but who knows with what Leatherwood? Like you said, I mean, Colin Miller didn't, you know, didn't come out of the gate firing necessarily either, you know, for this team, and we weren't sure what was going to happen in year two, and and he took a big leap this uh, this past year or so, and 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 you know, certainly against the pass. So, um, you know, it still could happen for Leatherwood. You know, so obviously a very young player. And you're right. We'll see what they do. But um, you know, I mean, you're exactly right. They they do have a lot of voids to fill, whether it's right guard or right tackle. Um, and, and left guard as well. Uh, some, some work to be done there. Thank you for mentioning guard because that's where I'm going next. And it feels like that's a, a position of depth this year in free agency. And there's a lot of uh, value at that position. And again, for the Raiders, um, at, 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 on some level, they would just accept just average play because in at certain positions last year, it was so far below average that if they could just get it to solid to average, it would make a huge difference. Um, where are the guards that uh, Raider Nation should keep an eye on? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, it's interesting to see what they do because you're right. They, you know, they we're not sure if they need a right guard and left guard. I mean, you know, John Simpson was a just picked a couple of years ago and want to develop him into a starter like he was this past season. But um, if you have a shot to go after a, a major upgrade, obviously you're you're going to look to do that. Um, you know, Brandon Sheriff's out there from Washington certainly one of the best guards in the NFL. And if he's somehow available, you're looking at him. Connor Williams, it doesn't seem like he's going to be back in Dallas. So, I mean, talk about, you know, one of the better left guards in the league available. 
uh, a guy that's you know held up the past couple of years and played at a high level. You got to like him, James Daniels. Uh, what's interesting about him is we've seen him play center, right? So that's a guy that's versatile uh, along the interior. Uh, Lakin Tomlinson, Andrew Norwell at one point was one of the best guards in the league. Ted Karras coming out of New England had a cup of tea with Miami. So uh, even Alex Kappa coming out of Tampa Bay. I mean, there are options. There are, there are plenty of good guards here, um, and that's really just the top eight or so. There's a few more of, of interest as well. So uh, they definitely have options here if they want to improve that offensive line. You know, it was one of the biggest surprises of last offseason was kind of the teardown that they had uh, along that offensive line, that which was one of the best in the league. And now they have to work to fix it back up. So uh, I'm curious to see what they do. Um, but that's, as you know, one of many, many voids they have to work to fill this offseason. We're talking to Mike Clay. Uh, you can follow him at Mike Clay NFL. Um, there could be a need at cornerback, uh, especially if uh, Casey Hayward doesn't come back uh, scheme fit. He might go to Indianapolis and follow Gus Bradley. But there's a guy on the list uh, by the name of Darius Williams. When I was covering the Rams, uh, the Rams kind of picked him up off the scrap heat from the Baltimore Ravens. And the first day he was on the field, I was like, wow, who the heck is this guy? And he's grown and developed and evolved into a pretty darn good football player uh, with the Rams. I think he's kind of gets overlooked a little bit because obviously Jalen Ramsey, that, you know, all the all the brightness and light gets shined on Jalen. But, man, Darius Williams played really well these last couple of years for the for the Rams. And now he goes into free agency, and I don't think he's going to break the bank, but I think he offers a lot of value. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, the one thing I wonder about with some of these guys is, is their play a product of not having that number one pressure on them, right? So, you know, I, I think you can apply that to, um, you know, like a Levi Wallace, too, who's available, and he's been playing opposite Tredavious White the past couple of years, right? You know, does he move on and get a nice contract elsewhere because he's a young guy in his prime here and has played pretty well the past couple of years? Uh, or, you know, is he a product of, of white? And you wonder to that, you wonder uh, that about these Rams corners as well. You know, I think about a Troy Hill. Yep. Right? He was out with the Rams uh, a couple of years ago, um, moves on to Cleveland, didn't go so hot this past year, right? So, um, you know, he, and again, he was not fully healthy. They have, they have many other injuries and issues. Uh, and maybe that was part of it. Maybe he bounces back next year. But, you know, you wonder that about Darius Williams as well. You know, again, a lot of pressure on Ramsey for sure. Uh, to handle those number ones at times. But I will say this. Um, they use Ramsey differently this year, right? He played the star position, so for half the season he was playing in the squad almost full-time mm-hmm. or kind of bouncing around the, the box. Um, there were times in the second half of the season they were dealing with some injuries and bouncing you know, David Long and Dante Dion around a corner, and, and Ramsey played outside more. But there were times where they just let Ramsey float around and they used Williams to shadow ones, you know, including a guy like DeAndre Hopkins. So, uh, he, and he did a pretty good job. So I'm with you. I, I like him. I have him listed fifth here. Kind of a loose ordering of the players here. I wasn't going to spend, you know, weeks ranking right. them perfectly. <laughs> I got them in the ballpark. Um, so I have him, you know, near the top, certainly a top five or seven available corner. And what is a, a pretty good group. You know, there's a lot of solid guys on this list. Last question for you, Mike, and I really appreciate the time. And I know you got a little one uh, to go get put to sleep. Uh, I, I remember those days. Um, uh, you, <laughs> When I look at the safety position, and you mentioned a few guys uh, at the top of the uh, the interview, but with the Raiders, it's really interesting. We're not quite sure what the system uh, Patrick Graham is going to uh, implement as the new defensive coordinator, but past history suggests that he's kind of a too-high safety guy, and that's really not what Jonathan Abram does. He's a, a player that, you know, you put him closer to the line of scrimmage, you mitigate some of the, you know, uh, his issues in terms of coverage. So it looks like if they go down the path that Patrick Graham has typically gone down uh, with his scheme, 
They may need another safety alongside uh, Trayvon Morg, who had a good rookie season for sure, to help along because they, they need more coverage. If you're looking at safeties right now, uh, in terms of pass coverage and value that the Raiders uh, could could uh, look at, who would you mention in that regard? Yeah, uh, I'm with you too. I, you know, you rarely see teams use three safety looks, but perhaps this is an opportunity for them. You know, especially because you have a couple free agents at that. You know, inside linebacker position. You know, Denzel Perryman worked out pretty well, but. Um, you know, maybe you utilize Abram in the box more often and, and use Morgan and someone else in the, on, on, you know, back deep. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Marcus Williams and, and Jesse Bates are the big names. You know, I don't know if they're going to spend that level of capital to go out and get a, you know, uh, at top of the market sort of safety, but that's your, that's your perfect, perfect scenario, right? To do something like that. Right. Um, you know, going, you know, um, you know, maybe a Kareem Jackson type who has the versatility to play corner as well. You know, could be a guy that's of interest. Uh, you know, Bobby McCain, I'm definitely a fit for sure. Former, you know, formerly of Miami and Washington. You know, uh, you know, I, there, there's some names there. You know, there are some names that you can go even deeper. And something I mentioned before too. Um, you know, the market at safety right now it just hasn't been there the past couple years. A guy like Trey Boston has was out of the league somehow. You know, like right. just teams are yep. valuing these guys super high so you know there's a good good 15 or so maybe 20 guys on on the available safety list who could be starters you know at least hold down the fort and plenty of these guys are free safety so um I, they they definitely have options if they decide to go that route mike clay it was a pleasure talking to you thank you so much uh we're gonna have you back uh at some point uh after the dust settles from free agency and heading into the draft truly appreciate your insight and enlightenment thank you so much my friend Anytime. You got it. Take care. You got it. That was Mike Clay. Follow him at Mike Clay NFL if you want the cheat sheet. Uh, the 2022 NFL unrestricted free agency cheat sheet is, is a valuable uh, resource and piece of information, and he puts his heart and soul in it, and we appreciate him for it. We appreciate him for that. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. on a Thursday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. By the way, congratulations to Ronald Curry, former Raider player who is now the passing game coordinator for the New Orleans Saints. Um, just a gentleman and talented and smart as a whip and uh, good to see uh, that he's uh, moving up the coaching chain um, as he, uh, you know, ascends as a coach. And I would keep an eye on Ronald Curry. He's he's a winner and uh, always has been. And so uh, good luck to him in his new job. But uh, our thanks again to uh, Michael Clay, Mike Clay, uh, for shedding some light on free agency with Demond. I mean, it's literally two weeks away ish, right? March fourteenth, I think, is when is when it kind of opens up, and we're we're right on the cusp of that, uh, which. It's just mind-boggling to me. We get all upset and dismayed and disappointed when the season's over. The Super Bowl just concluded a couple of weeks ago. And we're like, oh, what are we going to do with our time? And you're reminded on a daily basis covering the NFL that there's no time to wallow. Uh, you might get a, t- a second to take a quick nap, but it's it's like on right now. And it starts really next week with the scouting combine. Is there anybody in particular, DeMond Cotton, in the scouting combine that uh, you want to see 
and get a get a get a uh, a look at uh, whether it's wide receivers. I know we're going to talk uh, some wide receivers, some Ohio State wide receivers, and some other you know good young wide receivers coming uh, into the draft this year. But anybody in particular that uh, quarterbacks? Who who do you want to? Doesn't feel like this is a quarterback draft. Oh no, it doesn't. But I would like to see Malik Wills or Willis. Um, but I don't think there's Liberty. any. Yeah, from Liberty, they because he won the best quarterback award at the Senior Bowl. Yes, uh, take he that did. for what it's worth. But I'm I'm I really am a person that the combine doesn't do anything for me because where they say it's just you know who's working out the best in their underwear. No, nobody's running a forty yard dash in a game. No one has to bench press two twenty five. It is very impressive to see those athletic right. feats. But for me, well, all I'm looking forward to is who can post the best 40 time. Who I, I like to see yeah, it. I, me too. It's, it's a, a marvel. It's, it's, but for me, yeah. the combine doesn't do anything for me where it's just like you want to see those good. Like you want to. Yeah, it, confirm, think, it confirms what they already know. Yes. Yes. And um, but it's fun to watch. It is fun to watch. Uh, no, no doubt about it. It's it's definitely when they get on the field, a made for TV type thing. You know, I, I do. I do like to see arm strength and um, zip on the ball and touch, uh, wide receivers holding on to the ball, all that type of stuff. But when you cover it, what you really understand is like it's so much more uh, off the field that really drives that whole thing and why it's so important. I mean, there were NFL people who were like, well, if the players don't get on the field, because remember that was a, uh, a, a real possibility about a week ago or so, um, because of some you know issues that the players had and agents had with how the structure of the combine was going to be, uh, they wanted all their support systems there and their their doctors and their trainers and uh, everybody. They wanted as many people around them, these players. And I I'm fully with them. And thank thanks to the NFL, they said, okay, we'll we'll go ahead and lift the restrictions that they were trying to put on. But the interviews. The um, that that you have with players, the you know each team gets a certain amount of players that they can bring into a room for 15 minutes. Uh, there's unofficial interviews that you can have. There's quick interviews that you can have with the players. What really stands out um, and is, and is super important are the medicals. And each team now this week will get a chance to take a deep dive into every single player's medical history. You're looking at x-rays. You're looking at, you know, uh, the history of injuries because, and I've had NFL people tell me this, there's the doctors of each team, DeMond, make such, play such an important role this time of year because they're going to take a look at those medicals. And I don't care how in love you are with a player. At some point you have to say, doc, what are we looking at with this guy? And the doctor is going to say, he's got about three years left with that shoulder, like three good years. And do you want to invest a first-round pick, which I, what I'm looking at here on this knee, I don't like what I see on this knee because all every injury that that player has ever had, every X-ray, in, including the most recent X-ray, every report, every time they visited a doctor – Every operation, every surgery, all the notes from that are available to these to these doctors, and they're gonna. You know how do, you 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 talk to doctors or you you visit with doctors. They're you got two days to live, Devon, or whatever the case. But <laughs> you know it might be a hard news to deliver, but they're used to delivering it. And there are times, and coaches will will say, "Man, I wanted that guy so bad," but our doctor said he's got about two good years left on that knee. So are you saying that like different team doctors are telling the teams different things or is it just an overall NFL doctor? At no, the because it's I your honest- doctor. Yeah, no, no, it's not your doctor. Yes, of course, the team doctor. The team doctor. Honestly, I don't know too much about how the combine that's, works. That's why it's so important. That's one of the reasons why it's so important is because 
back in the day, before they, one of the reasons why they even have the scouting combine is back in the day, in order for teams to get your medicals, it basically, somebody had to do it for you to, to take it to 31 or however many t- teams there were back in the day in order for that team doctor to get a look at your medicals. They didn't have, it's what Indianapolis has become is like a one-stop shopping center where um, players and their bring all their medical information and teams bring all their medical people to get a look at the latest medical information in one place rather than have it spread out and each player has to uh you know bring that information to each team on a you know uh team by team basis so each team's doctor gets to look at every single player that's going to be uh, at the scouting combine you know honestly it's it has sometimes saved lives Damon, because a heart situation will show up and as disappointing and frustrating as that might be for the player literally it's like dude you need to get this thing fixed, like right now. It got overlooked by their college doctors or their family doctor, but somebody in some team saw it and alerted them to it and got them the help that they were, that they um, absolutely needed in order to avert disaster. But yes, the way it works is the Raiders will have their team doctor there, and the Raiders doctor will take a look at whoever the Raiders request to see the medicals from, um, and the Raiders doctor, just like the Rams doctor, the Patriots doctor, the Vikings doctor, will give a report to their respective team's staffs. And basically, yeah, this guy's clean. He's fine. There's no risk in drafting him. And when when we talk about draft boards, Damon, you know, yes, we're talking about talent, number one, first and foremost, but so much goes into where players or teams place players on their draft board. We've talked about character issues. If you have character issues, you might go from a first-round pick to a second-round pick or a third-round pick. Or a four. The more character issues and red flags you have, the further you're going to slide down on the draft board to a point where some guys just drop, drop off everybody's draft board. That's how many red flags are around you. And it's all about finances. If you're going to invest a draft pick and money into a player, you want to know – you want to eliminate as much risk as possible. So from a from a red flag character issue to a medical issue. If you know, if there's a first round talent physical wise, but a bum knee that might go out in about 3 or 4 years, you're going to take that into account and you're going to put that player on your draft pick accordingly. Go ahead. When they were going to have like the, oh, the players are maybe they're thinking about boycotting the combine deal, but the teams even came out and said, we care more about the medicals and the interviews. How important are the the interviews that they conduct? I think pretty darn important. Now, granted, um, guys are coached up on that. But imagine this, and I've talked to, you know, the, the, I've talked to people that are in rooms interviewing players. Imagine being coached up for the last three months on that. Usually, to put that in perspective, Players right now have been working out with personal. You know, there's like an industry now. Your agent hooks you up with a performance center, and that performance center gets you right to shine as well as you possibly can in every drill that you're going to go through physically. But there's also a media consultant. There's also an interview consultant on what you, how you need to act, how you need to look people in the eye, what you need to say to hear the questions that you're going to ask. You know, you get coached up in that regard. Now, imagine spending, Devon, the last two months or so, probably since the end of your uh, junior season or senior season or whenever you decided to opt to go into the draft, 
imagine being coached up for that long on all those specific things, including interviewing with teams, and then still bombing that interview. How bad do you have? And that happens a lot of times. People are like, I'm not touching this dude with a 10-foot pole, not because of medical, not because of uh, you know his performance on the field, but this guy was the biggest moron I've ever met, you know, or, or uh, you know, it could be obviously worse than that, just like a, a, a whatever, whatever term you want to use. So you can talk your way out of the first round or sometimes the entire draft. And it's funny how you'll start hearing talk about that. Like, wow, this guy. Yeah, I never liked how sometimes that stuff leaks because I feel like that's supposed to be confidential, right? Yeah, and then you, you and then there's always like a leak when it's when it's something bad because when it's good, it's always ah, oh, you know, it went great. He interviewed well. You never hear like what was the question that made it so well? What was the question that jumped off? But if someone says something that they don't like, like let's say the Des Bryant situation, yes. you, you hear about it, right? Yeah, yes, no, no doubt about it. And sometimes it's not warranted. Sometimes it's unfair. But sometimes. You're just, I mean, there are guys that are in this draft right now, and just as they have been in every draft, that are just like, this guy's kind of a knucklehead. You know, I'll go back to the year Peyton Manning was drafted and the quarterback from Washington State. um, Ryan Leaf. Ryan Leaf. And and every, like half the teams knew this guy is going to be trouble. And you could talk to Ryan Leaf now and he'll tell you I was self-centered. I was a narcissist. It was all about me. I was a, I was immature. Um, and so many people saw that and predicted that, but because he was so good, the chargers, right? It was the chargers. Yeah. Talked themselves into, into still drafting him thinking as some teams always do. Don't worry about it. We'll get him into our system with our coaches and our culture and he'll grow up. And sometimes you take that chance, especially when the talent is as good as it was, but sometimes even then it could still blow up in your face. So in his case, there was always talk about that. And it turned out to be true. He was, and he'll be the first to tell you, completely impossible uh, to deal with. Jay Cutler had that uh, about him. There was there was a couple of quarterbacks that were just kind of flighty, and you knew, and you heard about it, and but they were so good, they could fling it so well that teams still took a chance, and it never really worked out. It's kind of interesting. So sometimes you do have to pay attention, and, and as wrong as it might be that it gets leaked out. It usually gets leaked out in those kind of cases because it's that egregious. Now, um, what I don't like is the uh, the test that they do, that test information. The Wonderlick test? Wonder test. The test. The, the Wonderlick, to me, is just ridiculous. If it mattered, Greg McElroy would still be in the league. Yeah, right. And I think Don, Dan Marino bombed it, you know. he. But would you? who would you rather have? You know, and, and teams will tell you that they pay a little bit of it. It's part of the equation, but it's not. It's like, you know, my daughter and my, my son are in, are in high school right now, and, you know, I'll be helping them with their homework or assignments, and, like, what's this worth, you know? And, I we, you know, we've been busting our butt, you know, getting, oh, it's only five points. I'm like, five points? You've had me here for three hours, five points? You know, uh, in the whole scheme of things. So it's something that's part of the equation, but it's not the whole uh, package. And I just don't like when those test scores are – Release, because I'll tell you this, Damon. I was a terrible tester in a lot in like math and things like that. It's not because I'm dumb. I just I didn't quite grasp science and math and everything like that. It doesn't make me a bad person or a dumb person. It just wasn't my strength. And I would hate to have some of those scores released to the public right now. And it would be unfair if it was, because it doesn't define who I am. And certainly with the Wonderlick test. 
none of those tests define who the person is. It goes, I just, it, I, I, I hate it. And it always comes out to like bury somebody. And I just do not like that about this process. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonson. You're brought to you by Tequila and Bajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Thursday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Devon Cotton brings up a good point. Um, as we were talking about medicals, which are going to be a huge part of what happens next week in Indianapolis. And Damon brought up the name that I'm very familiar with. Todd Gurley from the Los Angeles Rams, formerly of the Los Angeles Rams. And if you remember with Todd Gurley, Damon Cotton, I, th- I want to say it was his junior year at University of Georgia, uh, Heisman Trophy kind of guy. He was that good. Goes down with a serious knee injury in uh, October, maybe, somewhere in the fall of his, of his junior year. And uh, it carried over, obviously, to the draft. And it's it's why he was drafted, I think, 10th or 9th, somewhere around there. He, he should have been a much higher pick because he was just a stud coming out of college. But because of the knee injury, um, you know, he went a little bit further down in the draft than, than his talent warranted. But you bring up a good point. What were the doctors telling the Rams about Todd Gurley looking at his knee injury and what that might – uh, prelude for his career, right? And oh, just to clarify, this was not my point. This is a text from the Salmon Ash text line from Jason in Maryland. That too, okay. Oh yes. Oh no, I just had to clear that. Because, yes, give credit uh, where credit is due. Exactly. Thank you. This was Jason in Maryland's point. He wanted to know, like, what would the doctors be thinking then if they had the if they knew that his knee would be a problem? Well, they had all the information. Uh, everybody had the information, uh, you know, in, in regards to the surgery at, at least, and you know, whatever the latest X-rays were. I want to say though that we should go back to the twenty fourteen. No, 2015 scouting combine to see if Todd Gurley, I, he couldn't have even participated, that's for sure, because he wasn't ready. He, was, he, he didn't even get on the field his rookie year till about three or four games into the season because he was still working his way back from the injury he had suffered the previous season over at Georgia. So for sure he didn't get on the field at the scouting combine, but I would, I would imagine his medicals were available for everybody uh, in, in Indianapolis. I'd have to double check on that. Um, I... I would think that the information probably showed, at least for the Rams, to take him as high as they did, um, even though it was a little bit lower than he probably would have had he not gotten injured. You know, he's in he's in pretty good shape. And and keep in mind, Damon, after that, they signed into a big contract extension too. So their doctors must have felt pretty good about where he was and where he is headed. The irony of the whole thing is the very year that he signed that contract extension was the year it all fell apart late in the season for him, and he was never the same player. Uh, And my recollection from what I remember that year covering the Rams was the third to last game of the season. It's a Monday night at the Coliseum. They're playing the Philadelphia Eagles. Todd Gurley, to that point, was in line to win a second straight Offensive Player of the Year award. He was that dominating up till ver- that very game. Somewhere along the line in that game, he took a hit 
And I remember, I'm, it's, I could see it in my head. He kind of goes to the sideline, and he looked weird. It just looked weird. And so he comes off the field, and Demon Cotton, he was never the same player at that point on. Now, was it the hit? Was it how he stepped? Was it something was inevitably going to happen to that knee because it was a pretty bad injury at University of Georgia? What was it that led to it? But I'll say this about, and he just wasn't the same. And when we talk about the Rams in that Super Bowl, Todd Gurley wasn't the same. Cooper Cup wasn't on the field. Um, and, and they lost that, that, that Super Bowl to the Patriots. All that said, I'm really happy for Todd that he got the money that he got when he got it because had he not signed that extension at the time that he did, he never would have had that money. And, you know, I just my I always root for the guys to get the money. Go ahead. Also got another text in on the Sam and Ash text line. Let me pull it up real quick. Go ahead. Big Dub Raider. Come on, Vinny. March Madness is in March. College basketball. Come on. All right. You know, yes, it is. And my younger self would have been right there with him. But uh, if he could text us back, how much college basketball has he really watched? Like, I... I'll ask you, Damon. How much college basketball have you truly watched this year? Um, not as much as I usually do, but I've, I've basically, whenever the Rebels are, I'm playing on CBS Sports Network. I'm locked in. By so the way, Direct TV. Yes. Give me my CBS Sport. I get everything. I get the Lakers channel, the Dodgers channel, the Angels, the Golden State Warriors, the Sacramento Kings, all for free. Can I get my CBS Sport? I I I come to Las Vegas. I move to Las Vegas. I want to be a fan of UNLV. I can never see them because they're always on CBS Sports. Dot com. What is it? The uh, it's what is CBS it? CBS Sports Network. Yes, and that's Channel the one on that I don't TV. get. The one, literally the one of those that I don't get, and it makes me mad because I'm rooting for UNLV right now. They're playing some ball right now, Devon. This Saturday, pack the Mac. Who's the best player? Bryce Hamilton. Where is he from? Somewhere in California, Pasadena, I, you, you know, California. Somewhere, somewhere, somewhere. Hey, when you, know, you look at when you look at UNLV, their past history, they went out and got some players from California, Texas. Obviously, it's, I used to love when we were in Los Angeles. They used to pipe in UNLV games on like over the weekend. So Channel Line, Chick Hearn used to call it. He was the great liquor uh, announcer. We would get all those great UNLV games on Channel Nine. So we kind of grew up, and they would always have. Not always, but a lot of the times, it might have been the PCAA, the Pacific Coast Conference that it was, and so they would have their championship game, their tournament, at the Forum in Los Angeles. I saw a few of those uh, Fresno State versus UNLV championship games. That was when some hoops was so fun back then. And yeah, March Madness, for sure. I love March Madness. Uh, sorry that I overlooked it, but it's but because college basketball at this very moment isn't on my radar... I forget about March Madness because I just don't watch it like I used to. Back in my day, guys used to stay for two, three years. You got attached to players like Patrick Ewing at Georgetown. Tell me back in my day, guy. James Worthy at North Carolina. Michael Jordan at North Carolina. Imagine those. Imagine that. Magic Johnson at Michigan State. And that guy, Larry Bird. Hmm. At Indiana State. Hated Larry Bird when I was younger. But I look back now and I'm like, man, that dude was so That's why I hated him. He was so good. Yeah, those were good times in college basketball. I still love the tournament. There's no doubt about it. But getting into it in the college basketball season is a little bit difficult sometimes for me. Anyway, you're in the huddle with Vinny Monsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur, Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Maybe I should start betting some games. Maybe that'll put the excitement into it for me. I will never do that. <laughs> 